Good morning, gentlemen. If you're new here or you got new contact information, there's a sign-up sheet on the, the table as you leave. So you get text messages. No, text messages is you got a Texas number. Uh, but that's for emails. Um, and our next meeting is in two weeks. So we'll see you at that point. I want to open us up uh, in a word of prayer by reading a couple of verses from Colossians. Uh, Paul is riding back to this little town in what's now Turkey. He's never been there, but he's praying for these people. And he says, I've not ceased to pray for you. And this is what he's asking for, which is what I'm asking for for us. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as, okay, so we're going to have all this download, spiritual wisdom, understanding, so to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, and bearing fruit in every good work. That's a whole sermon right there. Downloading into us, and then it walks out of our feet, the way, his wisdom, his ways. Let's pray. Lord, this is a small little download this morning about your character of gentleness. Uh, But it'll have a chance to walk out of our feet today as each of us go to a home, to a workplace, to a neighborhood, to any kind of group of people. You came as a gentle savior, a surprisingly gentle savior in a manger. And so we want to Uh, walk out these characteristics. One of them is this today, and I pray that you would fill us with all spiritual wisdom and knowledge about this characteristic and help us to know how to apply that particularly to our situations as we leave this morning. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this year our focus is Jesus and leadership, and so we're thinking about different uh, leadership traits Jesus has, different things he teaches his disciples. And uh, today I wanted to talk about this characteristic of, of gentleness. Now, sometimes Jesus tells people things, didactic teaching. I'm standing up here telling you something. Sometimes he puts them to the test. And so, okay, let's go on a journey. Let's put you in a test and find out how you think, how you act. And then sometimes he just does things and, he, and, and you're going to catch it. It's caught, it's not taught. You just watch somebody sort of live their life and you go, oh, okay, let me do, let me do that. Well, gentleness is, is taught and it's caught. And I wanted to start with this passage in uh, Matthew uh, <clears throat> 11. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. So just think about that for a second. Every godly trait, power, authority rests in this one person. Think about if you had all that power. Personally, that'd make me nervous if you did. It should make you nervous if I had it. But in this one person, all this has been dumped into this person of Christ. And then he says... Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. So I have all power, Jesus saying, now 
You should come to me. You should follow me. Now, whatever I'm doing, you do. But notice he's got all this power, and how is he, how he's going to lead with all that power? How would we lead if we're in a position of power? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, that, that to me is just a, a T-bone kind of statement. Because if you come with somebody who has all power in, in a in an org, big organization, typically gentle and humble is not the next thing you say about those people. But see, Jesus is trying to say, hey, if you're going to follow me, <clears throat> you are going to be in power positions to influence, but here's how I want you to do it. I want you to do it through gentleness and humility, which I think is just stunning. And so there's several definitions of gentleness. The one that I like the best was power under control. Power under control. I, I have the ability to do something. I have some amount of power, but it, it is under control. I'm not just using my power any old way. I've got it controlled, and I'm using it in just the right way, sort of like a, a surgeon is making just the right cut. So Jesus comes to use his power to, to help, to heal, uh, but not to harm. <clears throat> I like this. Uh, Max Dupree is a leadership writer. He has this quote, bad leaders inflict pain. Good leaders bear it. Bad leader. You've been, you prob- if you're old enough, you've been in a bad leader situation. And you're like, man, this guy inflicts pain on people. But good leaders bear it. So Jesus uses his power. He's saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to bear your pain. I'm going to bear it as the leader. I'm going to take on your burdens. I'm going to use my power to help, not to harm. I was uh, traveling uh, while I was in college out west with a bunch of guys, and we stopped at the Grand Canyon for a day. And we only had 24 hours, so you couldn't go too far down in the canyon. And me and another buddy decided we'd just walk out sort of a half a day's walk. There's a plateau that you can look over and see the river. And it's a pretty steep drop, and then you go flat, and then you come back out. And it's a long walk, but, you know, we were in college. We could make it happen. So we're walking down. I don't know if you've ever been in the Grand Canyon, but when you're walking down, you know there's some people walking out. And they most likely come from the bottom. they got these big backpacks on, and it's pretty steep. And it's pretty dry, and it, it's not something you hurry about. And, you know, when you're walking down, what does the person walking out say to you? How much further to the rim, right? That's, I mean, everybody, how much further I got to go, man? Because it's kind of switched back. You can't quite tell. And the thing's so big, you think you're close, but really you're not very close. So me and my friend, we're, we don't even have, we have, I think we have like a book bag because we're just walk in, walk out. And I'm not, maybe I'm not even carrying anything. And so we get sort of down to the plateau part. And these three girls, probably college age, they're walking out, and they're, oh, guys, I mean, can you just tell us how much further? And we're like, I mean, it's still a good, I mean, we're trying to be gentle, but it's still a good ways. You know, we're not trying to be too discouraging. Okay, okay. So we go out to the plateau. We sit down. We look at the river. We relax. 
We walk back, we start walking out, who do we pass? These same three girls. And they're, they're like three inches per step, you know? <clears throat> and we're like, hey, I think we, you know, we're trying to, what do you say? We're walking right by you. I think we saw you guys on the way down. Would you like, to, would you like for us to carry your backpacks out? <laughs> I mean, burdens off. I mean, all three of them, snap, snap, snap. They're hitting every button to unload their backpack. Boom. Is that how people feel like when you walk into a room? Burdens come off. I mean, you're the leader of family. You're the leader of some kind of organization, a team, your job. Whatever it is, when you walk in, burdens come off. Or when you walk in your house or your job, burdens come on. Oh, oh, he's here. And just people get like, he's here. And it's like a backpack gets on their back. Or your wife, you, she meets you. Oh. See, when Jesus, when Jesus enters the room, he's got all this power to bear stuff, to carry stuff. Burdens come off. And so we just want to think, think about that for ourselves. When, when we're coming in, how are we inflicting pain are we causing burdens or 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 we bearing it i love the picture here uh jesus says you're going to find rest rest it's it's helpful to think what's your picture of leadership you're going to find rest how by sitting down on somebody So is this your picture of being a leader? I'm going to work, I'm going to my house, and people are going to sit on me today. See, when Jesus comes, it's under, not over. But when the world thinks about leadership, it's over. How many people are you over? You're on an org chart, right? And how, how, how far up are you in the pyramid? You're at the top of the pyramid, you're second tier of the pyramid. Where are you where are you over so many people? And Jesus comes and says, no, I got a totally different orientation. It's not over, it's under. So when you go to your workplace, do you think of yourself, I'm a chair today. People are going to sit on me. They're going to use me. They're going to find rest. I'm going to provide rest for them. I'm going to provide support for them. Or is, no, they're doing my stuff. See, it's a different way. And it's really helpful to know what the picture is in your mind. So when you're walking in, somehow you have some model or picture of what it's supposed to look like, and you're operating from that model. And Jesus wants you to say, here's a great model right here. I'm walking in as a chair. People all day long are going to encounter me and find rest. Burdens come off. Great, great picture. Matthew 20, 28, I want to mention several different passages here. You might remember this passage, uh, Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and two of his disciples want to be at the right and left hand of Jesus. This is James and John. And uh, they say, hey, we want these power positions. 
And so Jesus takes his disciples aside to give them this little lesson and says, you know, the, the people of the world, the great ones of the world, they lord it over people. And the, the word there, the great ones, is the word mega. We understand that. The mega world people, they lord it over. They're over, not under. And then he asks, who wants to be a mega person in my kingdom? And, you know, the disciples are like, I'd love to be mega. You know, I'm all into mega. How do I be mega in the kingdom of God? And what does he say? You have to be a servant. You have to get under not over. So you can actually be great. And it's, it's, it's worth pursuing being great. I think that's what he's saying. Be great. Be mega. Be under. Be a chair. So again, your picture of leadership, is it somewhere where somebody can come and find rest? Burdens come off. They don't come on. Is it, do you think of how many, how many people I'm over or how many people I'm under? So Jesus is teaching things, and then he's going to display some things where things are going to be caught. John chapter 4, it's kind of a long chapter. It's a little bit complicated. But you're, most of you are familiar with the story. Jesus meets this woman at a well. And so he's meeting this woman who's a Samaritan woman. So she's kind of on the other side. She's, she's uh, half, sort of half Gentile, half Jew, sort of a half breed. Not somebody Jesus would talk to, male or female. Plus she's a woman. So she, she doesn't get Jesus' attention. And so Jesus has an assignment to go meet this particular woman. And uh, she's got several bruise, bruises in her life. Particularly, she's got a very uh, immoral sexual lifestyle. So the very first thing Jesus does is make sure his disciples go get lunch, all of them. Just, just think about that. I, I, don't, I don't need to expose her to any other information getting out to these guys. They might not understand they might not get what I'm doing. They might mess up the whole conversation. So I'm going to gently find a way to just have a conversation with this woman. And he doesn't say, hey, woman, I know you're immoral. That does, that's not super gentle. He says, hey, I would like a drink of water. He just, he just starts a conversation. And what's very interesting about this conversation is wherever she takes the conversation, Jesus goes with it. He starts with a drink of water, and she goes a bunch of different places, and he just rolls right with it. And then he starts talking about spiritual things, like he's the water that, that satisfies the soul. You remember the passage. I'd like that water, and then he, said, he hits a bruise. Hey, go get your husband and come back. Remember, oh, 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 that's a bruise. Because she's had five husbands. The one she's living with now isn't her husband. He knows He's just trying to touch a bruised person gently. And he says, I, I know all about you. And then she tries to switch topics, which is very interesting. Somebody hits a bruise, what do you do? Right, let's switch topics. And here's what I think is fascinating. Now, I can't be sure exactly what's happening here, but I think this woman is thinking, okay, he's hit a bruise. Let's get to a topic that nobody really is sure about. And what does she choose? Religion. 
<laughs> right in Jesus' wheelhouse. I mean, I think she's thinking, let's get into something real complicated that nobody could know the answer to. Hey, let's switch to religion. And Jesus going, great topic. I know all about religion. And then he tells her who he is. And really the most fascinating part is she then goes back. This is how you know how gentle Jesus was with her. She goes back and she said, here's her testimony to the town. Everybody knows who she is. Everybody knows her reputation. She says this, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, now is that a good invitation for you? Come see a guy who's going to say out loud everything you've ever done. You volunteering for that? I'm not. I'm not interested in anyone knowing everything I ever did. I certainly don't want them to say it out loud. But see, she, she said, hey, he said everything I ever did, and he still likes me. He's still for me. He still, he took burdens on. He didn't take, he, he, take, he took burdens off. He didn't place burdens on. And they go, well, look, if he can be gentle like that with you, they all go find Jesus. And then Jesus drags his, all of his 12, 12 disciples to live with these people for two days, very uncomfortably for these 12 guys, just so they could watch Jesus operate in that kind of area. So they're just picking up how gentle Jesus is. Then Peter gets his own one-on-one gentle moment. John 21. Peter has denied Jesus three times. Remember, he made the big boast. I mean, if if all these guys leave, Jesus, I'll be the one left standing. Of course, he failed. And then they're out on this fishing exposition in John 21, and Jesus comes and finds them. And who knows what is going through Peter's mind at this point. But probably, for sure, he thinks, I'm done. I mean, I had a moment, I blew it, and I didn't just blow it, I, like, really blew it. I blew myself out. I'm a candle now that just has no, no fire. And either the enemy got me or I got myself, but I'm, I'm a candle. I'm done. Jesus is going to kind of put me aside and say, Peter, you know, you blew it. We're going to move on with these other ten. I mean, who knows what might be going through his mind. And Pete, Jesus takes Peter aside, and you get the idea they're walking together. And, and Jesus relights this candle very beautifully. Do, do you love me? I mean, think about all the things Jesus could have said hey Jesus Peter look I know what you did but let's refocus get get your mind back on me do you love me I do okay I still have an assignment for you feed my sheep it's such a beautiful picture and I don't know if he asked it three times in a row or they have a little conversation and he circles back do you love me are you really focused on me? Let's, let's get all of our focus back on Jesus, Peter. Not on yourself. Not on what you've done. Not on anything else. Just come back to me. Yep, I'm zeroed in, Jesus. I still have an assignment. I still got something for you to do. Three times. Just to cover all the times Peter denied that Jesus wanted to say, I just want you to know, I still love you. I'm still for you. And I still have an assignment for you. So he comes by this little smoldering wick and he, 
and he lights them back up, which is perfect for Matthew 12, 20, about Jesus, a bruised reed, a, a broken woman, a bruised woman in John 4. He doesn't break. He's gentle. You know, reeds, they're very, very easy to crack. So when he comes across, across one that's cracked, he's gentle. He's not going to break that off. A smoldering wick. Somebody feels like they've gotten blown out, they've blown themselves out. When he comes by, he's going to blow on it, not to blow it out, but to blow it back into a flame. And again, I wonder if that's, that's how you see yourself. We're not surprised that gentleness makes its way in sort of cascades into the New Testament. Lots of different places. The fruit of the Spirit, one of them is gentleness. Second Timothy Paul's writing to Timothy, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind, able to teach, and correcting their opponents with, man, I wish this could get into Washington, D.C., with gentleness. We're not saying you don't offer correction, you do, but it's the way in which you do it. You do it with gentleness. Brothers, if anyone's caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You, this, this person is, is a candle that's gotten blown out, and you need to come by and relight them, not blow them out or blow them up. Or burdens on. You're coming to take burdens off. And so this is a little experiment I found online that was helpful for me. Just when you come across these smoldering wicks, and as a leader, you're going to come across them. Many of you are going to come across them today. Do, do you blow them out, or do you... You reignite them. Again, pictures sometimes are helpful. You're going to come across a, a kid today, your own kid, spouse today, person on the job site, they're the candle that's blown out. And you're going to come across them. When you come across them, is it, you take burdens off? You take your flame and you, you do your best to relight them. And you do it in a way that, that is gentle. Now, I want to close with just a couple of comments on the ways this mostly finds its way out uh, for us. First, with your words and your tone. Gentleness comes out of your mouth most of the time or doesn't come out of your mouth. James 3, we, we put bits into the mouths of horses because we've got this big thing and we want to steer it and we only steer it with this one little bit or a ship has a very small rudder. So it is with the tongue. It's very small, but how great a forest it can set ablaze by a small fire. You, you have the chance to come in and, and help reignite somebody or just burn them up by what you say. Set on fire the entire course of life. Or your tone. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentle tongue is a tree of life. See, you, you know this. It's not what you say, your spouse says, they say, it's how you said it. So it, is, it, it can be what you say. You can be helpful or, or it can just be your tone. So how are you in that? How about your wife? This is 
one of the main ways it plays out, your wife and your kids. Particularly, these are instructions to fathers. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Don't be bitter. You know, if you taste something bitter, you have that same reaction like, ooh, ooh. Is that how your wife responds? When you are, ooh, mm. Got to get used to that. Don't, don't be that way. Children, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. It's not that a mother can't, but there's a greater tendency for fathers to do it. And how would you want to discipline your son or daughter? Well, you would want it to be like God disciplines you. You're not looking for harshness from God. <laughs> looking for kindness, forgiveness, gentleness. And yes, there's going to be correction, but it's going to be correction done with the right tone, with the right, right words. All right, well, that's plenty to talk about here. I'd get into a group of maybe three or four. I probably wouldn't make it more than that. And just you know, talk about your vision of, of leadership over and over and under, uh, how you deal with people who are bruised or burned out. And then if you get to just talk about these last three things. Ready, break. Break.